Welcome to the Triage Method Podcast. Special edition, kind of, not really. It's episode 100, so I guess that's a milestone. And to celebrate that, me and Patty are together this week. So that should be good for two reasons. One, you get to see us both together, get to see our chemistry and all that sort of stuff. But also, that means there shouldn't be any audio glitches or anything like that this week. Unless this just fucks up when it's saving or something. So. But other than that, all should be pretty clear. So, as always, before we do get going, note that if you've come to this podcast to list or to get the the knowledge on how to set up a fat loss diet and all that sort of stuff, you could also opt for our coaching service. We do currently have coaching spaces available. So if you're thinking like, right, this information's cool, but I want to get right on the path, specifically want guidance, let's get going. The coaching um, is an option for you so you could work with and that's both in terms of the one-to-one coaching and the group coaching both of those you're going to get guidance with your nutrition and yes, you sir. are pretty much full like you probably yeah. could accept one or two clients if they were like look i've got injuries or something or they're a population that you were like yeah i really want to work with the, that person or they were like look i need to work with gary you know um i have like five spaces left lee has a good few spaces left because he only just started um and we want to fill him up soon enough um so if you are interested i would definitely suggest getting in touch sooner rather than later because so many people get in touch with me they're like oh i'm thinking of starting in like two weeks and like i can't keep track of all these people that are like you know oh two weeks maybe so i'm not going to remember to remind you so get in touch when you're ready as well as that that makes sense doesn't it yes sir but yeah all of those you will get dietary uh recommendations from from us with all those will help you with your diet help you set it up if fat loss is the goal and again the reason we're doing this episode now is because first of all we want to have these all in the kind of coherent structure like we did with the the training ones even though obviously you know this is a podcast you're not going to get every single nuance that is what the slide is for that is for us to be like hmm did i say that the best way possible hmm what about this little small almost insignificant thing let me just add it in here so the the podcast obviously is basically two lads having a chat about uh, health fitness diet nutrition lifestyle all of that stuff the actual articles on site that's a little bit more of a a deep dive you know and uh, we are really trying to produce quite a lot of articles these days well at least i am gary i think he's done one this year but anyway that's irrelevant um but uh yeah so there is lots of site or lots of information on site if you are looking to dig in a little bit deeper because again like the stuff i said on the podcast it's not as full of nuance it's not contextualized as much so you know you don't get the, the full full picture you know so i definitely would look at the articles that we have on site and again if you are a beginner to this we do have the beginner's ebook which kind of simplifies all the stuff that we're going to talk about right so again if you're interested there is coaching available and you will get dietary advice with that however again summer is coming up i know that you know a couple of thousand people listen to this podcast and they're looking to set up their nutrition they're looking to you know perhaps lose some fat and coming up to summer you, know, you want to look fucking jacked shredded tight lean whatever the the buzzword is you want to look that when you're on the beach right so again we're roughly whatever it is 12-ish weeks away from june yeah. so that's a good time period to start looking to you know lose some body fat if that is your goal uh coming into you know a holiday or something in june july august that kind of time frame we have 12 weeks until summer right so fat loss there this like i don't want to 
effectively just recap everything we did in the last episode. So if you haven't already, definitely go back and listen to the last episode because that talks you through how to start thinking about setting up your diet overall, right? Talks you through calories, talks you through some of the considerations with that, talks you through protein, fats, carbs, and fiber, right? Uh, and that's, they're, they're the main things that we need to be concerned about, right? However, once we start shifting gears and that just kind of gave us a, a maintenance, a framework to start thinking about our diet. And again, like with all this stuff, you don't actually need to track calories. You just need to know where they are. You don't need to track every single minutia. You just need to ha- be aware of where they are currently. And then you can start manipulating, tweaking things from there, right? Um, so just keep that in mind, even though we're going to give like specific numbers and stuff like that, you could use a different dieting style, different dieting method to achieve the same outcome. And again, we go into this on site in all the the, 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 the the tiered system that we have, you know? So you could be tier one and just use habit-based change. You could be tier two and use more portion control stuff, or you could be tier three, which is more like calories macro tracking, right? And we're gonna discuss a lot of stuff from the perspective of tier three, because that then informs the practices you would have in tier two or even tier one, you know? You'd be using that to move towards that. Even though, as we've said before, we kind of think most people should end up in tier two, like tier three is not the most advanced tier that you must be at. It's like, this is a means to an end, a means to better understanding of nutrition and all that kind of stuff overall, right? Um, but most people can get the results that they want from tier two. And also most people find it's easier to sustain and maintain using tier two stuff, you know? So they all have their place, different times of your life. You're gonna use different stuff. But today's focus, today's podcast, is on fat loss specifically. So you now understand from the last episode how to roughly start thinking about your diet, setting it up, what you should be thinking about, calories, macros, the whole shebang, right? So you're starting to go, okay, I think I can get a a hold of this. I can get a a grasp of what I need to do, right? And maybe you do use a, a kind of maintenance figure for two weeks to a month, you know, and you're like, all right, I've gotten better at tracking because that's the first thing we need to have good adherence and it's going to be harder to be adherent if you are making the diet harder by, you know, being in a calorie deficit, you're already hungry and stuff. So it's going to be harder to actually adhere. So you probably want to start off dieting phases with some sort of phase where you are focusing on just nailing your adherence down, actually nailing, getting control of your diet full stop. It doesn't necessarily mean that you are in a diet, not in a calorie deficit, you want to have control over that. But I'm going to presume, again, you've listened to the last episode, you've done that, right? So you've done some time at maintenance. You have a rough understanding, you know, maybe not be perfect, it's not very precise, it's not perfectly accurate, but you have a rough understanding of what calorie level you need to either maintain your weight, gain your weight, lose weight. You have an idea of where your activity level is at and your uh, calorie level is at in terms of, you know, how many calories you take in. Right, so you're you you have some understanding. That's the fundamental thing that we need to have. Right, so Gary, someone comes to you, one of your clients. We get a new sign up. They're like, Gary, want to work with you, and I need to get absolutely jacked, absolutely shredded for summer. You know, I I I know roughly where my calories are at. You know, uh, they're at we'll say two thousand five hundred. Right, and they're saying yeah, roughly maintains my weight. Where do we start with this person in terms of? designing their plan of action, 
with the diet. You know, obviously the training stuff we've discussed before. And again, there are considerations when you're, you're dieting, maybe you don't have as much energy available. So maybe your volume recommendations, you probably go on the, the lower end of things, but we're not actually gonna to touch on that too much today. We're just looking at it from the dieting perspective, the actual nutrition perspective. So again, they wanna get jacked, Gary. Do we just drop cals to 1200 and up cardio, tell them to go for 20K steps every day? Like what, what's the process? Yeah, so like anytime that, that I have someone kind of signing up with this goal, the first thing I want to be clear on is that, right, they get exactly why we would make the decisions in the first place. Because, you know, some people sign up and if they're more on the beginner end of the spectrum, you know, saying things like a calorie deficit or explaining that we need to reduce calories or whatever, that mightn't actually make sense to someone. So if you're listening to this podcast and maybe you didn't listen to the last episode or whatever, the first principle that we're trying to achieve with any fat loss diet is that, we're trying to reduce calorie intake, assuming energy expenditures keeping the same. Basically, we're trying to get into a deficit of calories where we are burning more calories or more energy than we are taking in. So one of the main ways that we can get there is by reducing calorie intake in the diet. So that's the first thing I want to make clear. And what, why would we want to do that? Now, obviously, fat loss is the goal, but what's that going to do in the body? Like if I, I go into this magical calorie deficit, like where am I getting this energy? Like, what, Why does that matter? Yeah, so like that, that, that is actually a good question because I remember like my my sister asking me a question about that before, being like, but, but like, how do you just lose fat, you know? Um, and like the, the thing that, that's worth knowing is that you like all of the fat that you have in your body is energy. It's potential energy that's there that you can actually use. So that's important to realize because some pe sometimes people think, oh, but if I eat too little, like that's a really bad thing. I won't have, you know, any, any energy available, whereas most of us have plenty of fat available you know on our frames that we can use that we can break down that we can oxidize for energy to fuel all of our basic bodily processes so whether it be your brain your heart your liver your kidneys all the things that you need to be able to stay alive and function well each day basically they decide to take up fuel from your from your fat instead well most organs anyway so you can take up the, f the fuel from your fat and as we do that that obviously then leads to a reduction in overall body fat because what you've done is you've created a deficit of energy so you're saying to your body right i'm not actually going to take in enough to give you everything that you need so then your body's response is to say all right i have to get it from somewhere and it gets it from your fat stores it can come from other stores as well such as you know muscle glycogen stores liver glycogen stores a little bit of kidney glycogen you know so there's other stores available and in some cases you can get it from amino acids as well so you know they're available which is generally well. what you don't want and again this yeah. is when we're looking at it that's something that we're trying to minimize as well because like anyone can lose weight you i could just put you on a thousand calorie diet right literally your, whatever your maintenance is doesn't matter i'm just going to put you on a thousand and you're going to lose weight right because you're just not eating enough so you are burning more now there are some potential adaptations that would occur however you get to a stage where you are in such a deficit of energy that you know you start burning through muscle potentially especially if you're not giving the body a reason to keep that muscle like you're not engaging in resistance training for example you know so that is something that you want to be aware of that your your protein the, the protein stores that you have in your body which is your muscles effectively they can be used as energy. And that's what people mean when they're saying like, oh, I'm gonna go catabolic, if you ever hear that term, you know, thrown around by the, the bodybuilding community. Like losing fat is inherently catabolic. Yeah. You know, you are catabolic. Or what they really mean is, I'm going to be so catabolic or I'm going to have shifted this catabolism towards like burning through my protein stores 
i.e. burning through my muscle stores, which is obviously not what you want if you want your physique to look a certain way, which you know most people do. They don't want to just be a smaller version of themselves right now. They're like, they're unhappy with their shape or whatever. They don't want to just be the same shape, the same look, but just a little bit smaller, you know? At least the majority of people don't want that. So that is something that you should really understand. And like, if you are a coach and you are kind of looking into this a little bit deeper, like you, you can get into like the, the biochemical pathways. You can go through like beta oxidation. You can actually look into it and go, okay, so like, how are we actually, we say we're burning through this fat. Like, what does that actually mean? And you can then look at like, you know, all the whole ATP stuff and how that, you know, energy is liberated. And then you can also get into it and be like, okay, so the, the way we actually, like what happens to that fat? when you burn it like you can actually then figure out you're like okay well this this effectively you breathe it out you sweat it out you know that co2 and that kind of stuff you, that that's where it goes right so you're actually like breathing this fat loss you know and um, but ultimately you don't really need to know all that stuff if you are just looking to lose some fat yeah it's a cool little tidbit of information yeah understanding like i i'm a biochemist i could say oh yeah understanding all these biochemical pathways everyone needs to know it but like that's it's simply not the case and again even if you are a coach it's not necessary not necessary that you do know all those things but it is necessary that you understand that it is fundamentally a calorie deficit that gets us to this position where energy stores are being burned through you know yeah because like even though some of that stuff can be like quite deep and as you said like unnecessary in a practical level i think knowing that you know that you're actually creating a deficit so there's just this deficit this void that needs to be filled up um with some other energy stores i think that's quite useful because it actually explains a lot of the other things that you go on to talk about you know because if you know that your body can use amino acids or glucose or fat for fuel then it actually explains a lot of the dietary decisions because as you alluded to when we're trying to lose body fat it is about also trying to maximize the anabolic signals within that context through both diet and nutrition and to some extent lifestyle as well so to get to get to the point i i, I like my clients to be aware of that stuff because i think if someone knows exactly why they're doing what they're doing it tends to lead to better adherence and it tends to build self-efficacy as well because they're in a position where they're like you know what i actually know what i'm doing i know why i'm doing it and that's ultimately what leads to to longer term changes them being actually in control of that situation so that's the first thing explain to the person right this is what we need to do we need to find a way that we can reduce your calorie intake or increase your energy expenditure to try and put you into some sort of calorie deficit um, first step for me most of the time with most of the people that sign up is to try to make a dietary change as opposed to just trying to get someone to to exercise more because the way i look at that is you know dietary changes do not involve any extra time in your schedule so you know it, it is literally a case of eat, just eating less um whereas with more and more exercise, they actually even give you more time yeah exactly you can have more free time and, and more spare money around the place it's useful you know um whereas with exercise it can be a case of right you know if we want to equate um, let's say a 300 to 500 calorie deficit per day that we would create through nutrition if we want to do that through exercise we're looking at like i don't know an hour of continuous exercise per day you know that's seven extra hours a week so that's a lot um, so generally i don't go straight for that generally step one is to try and uh, reduce calories in the diet and um, particularly when people are already physically active because obviously there are benefits beyond just um, the actual fat loss side of things so generally what I, what i would do from there is I kind of look at it in like for most clients, it's somewhere between a 10 and probably more so 15 and 30% calorie deficit, 30% being 
far more on the aggressive side of things, although not that aggressive either. And then 10% being like quite a slow, quite a conservative deficit. Um, generally, most people would, would fall kind of somewhere in between. So somewhere around maybe a 20% calorie deficit. So. And, and it should be noted as well with the, the degree of the deficit. Like this boat applies if you are uh, advanced or a beginner. Like there's going to be more appropriate or less appropriate modalities or rather uh, uh, choices within that. For example, if you have a newbie, they're literally coming to you. They're like, yeah, I've been tracking for the last you know, two months. I basically just have a handle of it. They, yeah. they haven't really been training too long. Maybe they have been training for, we'll say two years maybe. And they don't really have a handle on their nutrition. And maybe they have some pretty bad practices within the gym, but they've been doing something right like while they might have a lot of fat to lose in that case you might not start them off on a, a 30 percent deficit even though you're like yeah you could probably do with being a little bit more aggressive in this yeah. fat loss but you know coming into that that this individual hasn't been tracking that long doesn't have this really nailed down and a slow and steady approach is probably going to be better especially considering they're in that kind of newbie uh, phase with training especially if we're trying to then maximize their training where cleaning up any habits you you, you kind of look at that and go we might have the potential to build a little bit of muscle here so you don't want to be too aggressive with the calorie mm -hmm. deficit because then you just cut off all that potential muscle growth and uh, because you're just simply not feeding it and also you're potentially making the diet very hard to actually sustain uh, and, and make it very hard for that individual to actually adhere to those dietary practices you know so i know people listen to that and go 10 to 30 percent i'm like well obviously i want to go quicker so let's go for that 30 percent. but that's not always appropriate and while everyone always looks for the fastest route that's generally not the the best route like the best route is you don't even feel like you're dieting and yeah. all of a sudden you get results in whatever 12 16 weeks you know and you didn't even feel restricted you know that that's the best best case scenario you know, you know, a few maybe lifestyle interventions such as, you know, the exercise uh, stuff and then also maybe the, the neat stuff, the non-exercise stuff, you know, a little bit of that. And then a calorie deficit that isn't so aggressive that you're like very food focused and very much thinking about your food. And you just have a calorie deficit that's, you know, a very slight one that still actually produces results because this is also the thing. A lot of people, this is more so in guys as well. Um, where they'll, they'll effectively be like, yeah, no, I am eating a calorie deficit uh, and their weight just won't change. They're just, their, their weight is simply not changing. You know, you're not eating in a calorie deficit then. Even though you want to think that, oh, well, my maintenance is 5,000 and you're eating at 3,000. You're like, yeah, I'm in a 2,000 calorie deficit. Your maintenance simply wasn't 5,000. You're just lying to yourself, yeah. you know? Or adherence is just extremely poor at that 3,000 if your weight is not moving that you think you're tracking 3000 and you know those two binges that you have every week now that's actually bringing you back up to the 5000 maintenance level that you were at you know so again just because you hear those numbers 10 to 30% of your total calories that doesn't mean that they're appropriate for you you know like I, I, we've already kind of bypassed this assuming it's been done but when i start with someone basically the first 4 weeks is just getting a handle of calories basically a maintenance phase maybe if again the, the person has been uh tracking their calories for a long time maybe like a five percent if i'm like i think this is where you should be at we're just going to just below that just so we start getting a little bit of fat loss perhaps you know and um, 
but that's generally the first four weeks. And then you can start going a bit more aggressive. You can go, okay, let's bump this up to 10%, see where we're at with this, and then see how you can go on from there. But I just, for most people, I just wouldn't jump into that 30%, which is quite hard because while we're giving percentages of your calories, which is probably more uh, accurate and applicable for people to do, what's generally recommended in the health and fitness industry is you need to be in a 300 to 500 calorie deficit, you know? And that's definitely a good range. That's something I actually would agree with. I'd be like, yeah, that's probably a good range for most people. However, you have to then base it back on your actual calorie intake and how fast or slow you want to actually lose weight uh, and what is appropriate for you as an individual, you know? Like a 500 calorie deficit, well, that's great as just saying a, a number you know, oh, 500 calorie deficit, that's what you need to be in. Like, if your maintenance calories are 1,500, you're a smaller female, like 500 calories, maybe you're on 1,000 calories, you know? So it's like, that's, you have to take that, you know? But the same also holds true. If you're saying like, okay, I'm a 50 kilo female trying to lose a few pounds and my maintenance calories are 1,500, you know, a 10% deficit to that is roughly 150 calories. So that means that fat loss is going to be very slow and steady, you know? And that's gonna to have to be, again, this, this trade-off that you have because you could go into a bigger calorie deficit, you could get faster results, but you have to realize that basically nobody feels full on like 1200 calories, you know? And uh, slipping up like dietary mistakes are much easier if your calories are extremely low, you know? Like again, like if I eat 200 extra calories and my maintenance is like, 5,000, who the fuck cares? Like literally, who cares? Whereas if you eat 200 extra calories and your maintenance is 1,500, it's like, that's they're bulking calories now, you know? <laughs> so again, like you have to factor in where you are as an individual. And while it's all great and well to have all these sound bites and go, oh, 10 to 30% or 300 to 500 calories, ultimately you have to bring it back to you as an individual and then figure out what is appropriate for the rate of loss that you actually want to achieve and what is actually appropriate for you to achieve. Because I know, again, everyone wants this fast and yes, like we're, we're gonna lose a kilo per week, you know? But that's just not appropriate for everyone, which I suppose brings us to the next point. Like, what is an appropriate rate of loss for someone? If they're kind of going, look, he said 10 to 30%, like you're a coach, obviously you know, like you coach hundreds of individuals at this stage, you know? So you, you have an idea of like, okay, I know exactly what to look for, what to expect, right? But if someone's going into this and they're like, I've never really done this before, yeah. like what's appropriate for me? Uh, how fast should I be losing? How slow should I be losing? And if I am thinking of, you know, I have a holiday in August and you're saying perhaps like a slower approach is, you know, more applicable to like a smaller female or a smaller male or whatever, um, should I start dieting now for that? Like, it, like it, do I extend the time period? Because everyone else seems to say like 12 weeks diet, that's all you really need, you know? Like talk, talk me through the kind of rate of loss sort of thing. Yeah, so generally my range is like 0.5 to 1% of your body weight per week on average. And I always put in that caveat of, of on average because otherwise people make premature dietary decisions just unnecessarily and it can kind of throw you further off track. So. 0.5 to 1%, but sometimes it's more appropriate to go a little bit above that, especially if you have um, more overall body fat. If you more, have more overall body fat, you can generally get away with faster rates of loss. Um, for people who are already very, very lean, then I'd be being more conservative. I'd 
conservative. I wouldn't be going for 1% um, body weight loss per week because as we alluded to at the beginning of the podcast, the lower body fat you have, the more likely you are to dig into other sources of energy such as amino acids, which can come from your beloved muscle. And that's obviously not what you want if you're just trying to lose body fat, especially if the goal is to improve your body composition, but even also um, from a health perspective, you don't wanna get to get rid of your your muscle mass. Um, so yeah, that 0.5 to 1% body weight range would generally be what I'd be aiming for. So if someone's, let's say 80 kilos, um, that's somewhere between 400 and 800 grams per week. Now that doesn't sound like a lot, but it really does start to accumulate. And generally what I would do personally is if I was like doing a longer dieting phase over a, over let's say 12 to 16 weeks, then I might start off a little bit more aggressive. So I might, you know, first few weeks, maybe 1.5% even um, of my body weight, because obviously I'd be at a higher body fat percentage at that time, let's say first two weeks or so, then maybe down to that 1% range. And then as I start to get that bit leaner, hunger becomes more of a problem, energy levels are more difficult to, to, to deal with in terms of keeping training going, keeping college going, whatever. And then I might go more towards that 0.5% range. So I think that's important to be aware of is that you're, you can play around with these things and like 1% isn't necessarily better than 0.5% and vice versa, because it just depends on where you actually are in that fat loss process. Because where you, where you start in terms of your diet is very different to where you actually finish up. And unless you've actually had a successful diet over a long period of time, I don't think you can actually appreciate what that feels like because you see it so much with, uh, I think bodybuilders in particular, because obviously they're, they're, they're the extreme example. They finish their, let's say, gaining phase and they're like, I'm so sick of eating. I can't wait to diet. I'm looking forward to being hungry. Then you speak to them 12 weeks later and they're like, oh my God, hate my life. Can't wait to be bulking. I'm so hungry. I have no energy. I'm drained. I have no libido. Um, I can barely get to sleep, all these sorts of things. And obviously you should hopefully have dietary practices and lifestyle practices to try and minimize those those effects. But at a certain point, if especially if you're competing in bodybuilding or physique sports, so it's to some degree unavoidable. Um, so I think it's worth understanding that because obviously that's not necessarily applicable for the vast majority of people listening to this podcast but it is going to apply to some degree. You will feel a little bit different at the end of your diet and you may not still be gunning for that one to 1.5% um, body weight loss per week because you're more likely to be digging in um, into lower energy availability status and you're probably gonna feel more of those dietary side effects um, starting to accumulate at that point. So that would be generally what I, what I would be aiming for. But just to get back to the average point, the reason that's so important as well is because, as I said, it can lead you to make ineffective decisions. And the reason for that is because if you, let's say, have a 1% loss one week and that's your target, and then the next week you lose just 0 0.5, 0.6%, then you might say to yourself, okay, I'm not in enough of a deficit, I need to make the deficit bigger. It could just be that your food content was a little bit different, so you have different, different um, food content in the gut, different levels of water retention, secondary to stress or secondary to sleep deprivation or something along those lines, more training stress, um, again, can increase water retention or, or lead to fluctuations in body weight. And those different variables can lead to, you know, fluctuations up and down um, from day to day and even from week to week. So the reason that that is so key to understand is because if you're just comparing week to week, you're making decisions on a small time scale. If you give yourself, let's say month to month and you review every four weeks or, or so, then you have a far better idea of what's going on. Because then you can say, 
okay, on average, I lost 1% per week across the last four weeks, but some weeks were just 0.6%, some weeks were 1.4%, but you're still averaging out where you want to be. So I would generally look over that longer time scale and even more important in females because when you have menstrual cycle variations and again like some women they don't see that variation throughout their cycle it's not as significant but some women have massive fluctuations um especially around the time of their period so if you if you take that into account with females definitely easier to wait to make better decisions because you could have you know week one oh yeah i'm you know, I didn't lose any weight this week or whatever, you know, I was just, I just kind of stayed the same. Week two, oh my God, there's a little bit of an increase. Week three, down again. Week four, up again. Whatever pattern it happens to be for, for a given individual, if you look at it across the four weeks, you're going to have far more useful information that can inform your decisions going into subsequent uh, four-week blocks, if you want to call them that. Yeah, and I think for women as well, it is very important because they do generally tend to follow that kind of sine wave, that kind of up one week down the next up one week down the next and again it might trend ever so slightly down yeah. in the direction that we want but on any given day it could be fucking massively up or it could be massively below that trend line so it is very important for women to be aware that you know your cycle does play into this even if it's not necessarily like it's inhibiting fat loss or anything like that but there is an interaction with you know well there is an interaction with fat loss capacity probably not something that i would you know dig into too deeply or mm -hmm. pay too much attention to but the, the more important thing is that water retention and water balance overall um that's that that does play into this whole equation so you, you need to be aware of that that you know your weight is going to fluctuate and there's nothing you really you can do about that and um, as long as you're a regularly cycling female and again whatever that means for you i don't know that could be 60 day cycles for you as an individual and you'll probably notice some trend with that the more you do this the more you keep yourself aware of this whole thing anyway back to the the last point so you're saying we're probably in the range of trying to lose at a 0.5 to 1 percent body weight per week right and this allows us to nicely transition and you touched on it just there a second ago this allows us to nicely transition into the the next point and then the the next point after that so the next thing is right so say i start the deficit and we'll just say it's at a three or 250 calorie deficit right that's that's where we're starting at we're at a 250 calorie deficit and then i've been losing one percent per week you know actually we'll say 500 500 is probably be the easier right so we're at a 500 calorie deficit and i've been losing at one percent per week been doing that for six seven eight weeks it's been going good yeah i've been looking at the averages they're they're, they're going good right but it started this low right so now I'm losing that for the next four weeks. I'm losing that, you know, 0.75 percent per week. You know, oh, and in the next few weeks it's 0 0.5, 0 0.25. So first of all, we need to explain that, yeah. and then second of all, we need to understand when to make dietary changes. You know, because first of all, people just jump the gun, like you were saying earlier on. They just jump the gun. They're like, oh fuck, today's up. Let's change calories. Something's wrong, right? But then also people do the opposite and they're like, oh, well, I set my calories. I was in, I'm in a calorie deficit, you know, because I started this diet at 3,000 was my maintenance. So I'm eating 2,500. I'm, I'm in a deficit, you know, <clears throat> and they assume that that deficit is going to extend or sustain them all the way through until they're absolutely shredded, you know. So we have both dichotomies, people who never really change their calories, even though they probably should. 
and then we also have the people who change their calories effectively on a whim you know and it, it can be hard to understand this if you don't understand the why weight loss is slowing like what's going into that and then that'll inform how you actually start looking at okay this is when i need to change calories right and then we'll kind of round out this discussion there's a few other things that we just want to touch on um in terms of cardio that's one because that plays into our, our calories and then maybe touch on some of the macronutrient stuff as well but i think this 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 is something that if you understand this next bit you know effectively like why your calorie level changes then you actually understand the vast majority of weight loss you know yeah. so take it away yeah so i think like first things first is like the absolute simplest thing you could take on board here and that is that like losing body fat you are a smaller person at the end of it <laughs> as a result you're going to be burning less energy and that's really important to take away because i think it's it's often just a totally forgotten variable like people get real caught up in you know discussions of metabolic adaptation and all that sort of stuff and that's interesting of course and we'll be discussing it but you also have to just think that oh i am a smaller individual like if you had those first six weeks let's say of great success with your diet you were let's say you're an 80 kilo individual you lost one percent body weight per week before you started to slow down a little bit you've lost five kilos of body weight at that time point and let's say we just assume that um you happen to be burning 30 calories per kilogram of your body weight and that's kind of your average range then like that's that's 30 30 kilos or 30 calories five kilos 150 calories less that you're going to be burning per day so that's 150 calories gone away from that deficit before you take into account anything else. So if you were saying it was just 150 calories and your deficit was previously 150, then your, your rate of loss would be expected to be dropping with all of other variables ignored. It would be expected to drop by a third already. You know, so if you were- yeah, And this, this is actually just really like simple to pure understand. Pure simple, yeah. Like really simple to understand. If I get you to hold a five kilo dumbbell and walk around with every single day, do all your daily tasks, it makes them harder right if i get you to go about your your general day hold this five kilo dumbbell and you at the end of the day you're like yeah fuck i burnt extra calories because i'm holding this and then i tell you to let go of that five kilo dumbbell the next day the next day you're burning less calories even if you did the exact same stuff because you're simply not holding that five kilo dumbbell like it's very intuitive once someone points it out and you're like yeah actually carrying around extra weight you know it actually burns more calories which if you actually then think about it a little bit deeper you would also then realize that a lot of what people say with in terms of like a metabolic adaptations and different things is completely ass backwards right like they'll look at someone who is like morbidly obese and they'll be like oh like they just have a really slow metabolism when in fact they actually have a faster metabolism like because that's just like a, a collection of your metabolic processes because this person weighs 400 pounds. So simply doing the exact same thing as you, we walk down the street, we walk for five minutes. That person who weighs 400 pounds has to carry around that 400 pounds, right? This is why they get out of breath so fast. This is why they find exercise difficult. This is why when you're training an obese person, if you are a trainer, like there are certain considerations that you have to put in place that you don't necessarily have to put in place with someone who only wants to lose like 10, 15 pounds, you know? Um, so this person that weighs 400 pounds, they are burning more calories. Their metabolism is on fucking fire because they weigh 400 pounds. They're carrying around that 400 pounds. Every single activity they do is like the most intense calorie burning session. Like you go out and have a game of bowling. You're like, all right, I burned like 
100 calories doing that 400 pound individual goes out and has a game of bowling they're like yeah man i burned fucking 3000 calories just going back and forth you know they're carrying around 400 pounds all day you know if i strapped the backpack on and literally you know did the whatever equation you weigh 200 pounds here here's 200 extra pounds to carry around man your calorie expenditure would be through the roof you know so again when you think about it and you understand this like you start figuring out you're like okay well actually you know our the the, the general thought process that people talk about it's completely ass backwards you know yeah, yeah absolutely and like but to be like to be fair to play devil's advocate like we're talking solely there in terms of like absolute energy expenditure yeah, yeah. and you like you can have differences in like relative energy expenditure because if someone is obese like if they're morbidly obese then the vast majority of the tissue on their body is body fat um which is less metabolically active than other tissues in the body so if you were to look at it on like a per kilo energy expenditure basis you'd see differences but on an absolute level they're burning way more energy so when you hear when you hear people discussing things like uh, oh you know the my friend she he or she eats way less than me um but they're still like really heavy it's just because they they burn less energy like probably not unless there's there's massive differences in your activity yeah um, just probably not if actual energy expenditure was or not energy expenditure actual activity was matched yeah if you know? matched. like if you're like oh i do ten thousand steps per day she does he does ten thousand steps per day like they would burn through more calories oh, than you you know so what what people do is they they don't match for all these other things they're like oh we eat the same and we both do the same workout but then you factor in that you actually cycle to the gym there and you have a very active do- job you look at your steps per day you're looking at that and you're like oh i'm on fifteen thousand to twenty thousand per day and you look at this other individual you're like they're really struggling to lose weight and you look at their steps per day and it's 1000 to 4000 you know it's like okay so there is actually a difference in terms of the output day to day you know yeah and like the reason that stuff's important to discuss is because anytime you have these conversations about energy expenditure and energy intake and everything people try to present anomalies and say that oh but but what about this person and you can actually almost always explain it away like there's almost always an explanation as to why someone is having body composition outcomes different to someone else um but anyway as, as i was discussing um when you begin to lose body weight that's going to account for a difference in your rate of fat loss because you are now a lighter person and that can be actually really really significant in some cases because if you look at like social media and you go onto any personal trainers page you'll see like transformations where people have lost 10 20 30 kilos like that is huge like if you were, a, a, let's say, 90 kilos um, and you dieted down to 60 kilos, you've lost a third of your body weight. Like that's going to make a massive difference to your level of maintenance, to your level, level of calories required to maintain your body weight. So if you, if you started at that position where your maintenance was 3,000 and let's say it scaled perfectly and now your maintenance is now 2,000, like that's a big, big difference there. But again, it's being almost solely explained away by the difference in your body weight. Um, so I think that's important to understand because it's definitely like the first piece of the puzzle um, that explains these changes in loss that people don't really account for. So if we had that example again of, of you know, that 80 kilo individual, their energy expenditure, or they lost five kilos, the energy expenditure decreased by 150 calories as a result of that there's also additional processes that are going on there. So as we touched on in the last episode, there are other aspects of metabolic adaptation that can, that can account for differences. Um, so for example, 
someone if they're not standardizing their non-exercise activity thermogenesis thermogenesis through something like tracking their steps every day that could reduce a little bit they might find themselves you know they're at the start of the diet they felt real active but they're feeling a little bit more sluggish now they're not you know taking the stairs as often they're not as excited about going for a walk at lunch or whatever it might be so if you're not standardizing those things that can account for another bit of a difference so let's say that was another 100 calories of a difference from being less active across the week so now that person's 500 calorie deficit it's been dragged down to 250 because of the change in body weight and the change in the amount of steps that they're taking let's say then there's another 50 calories through other things such as you know they're a little bit colder you know they're not they're not they're not sweating as much in bed at night they're not as warm during the day and they're also finding that when they're speaking to people and when they're presenting at their work meetings they're not twitching as much they're not you know playing with their hands as much they're not tapping their foot and they're not blinking as much all of those things are more subconscious so you're obviously not thinking about how often you're moving and twitching and everything when you're well, in, I do. when you're in your seat oh yeah i do it on purpose especially on the podcast um, those are the things that are that you have less control over which is why we're such fans of tracking steps because it is something that has a, a subconscious element you could say but it absolutely is under your control and that you can yeah, it's, a, it's kind of proxy like, yeah it's not it's not a great measure yeah but if we keep control of that we have some sort of proxy for where our activity is at and it's much easier to track that than track like twitches for yeah day. like what are you yeah. gonna do <laughs> yeah um but yeah that i think that hopefully makes people aware of that like obviously the deficit you said at the start yeah it's moving target it's, it's it's always going to be moving you know and um, so the more you are aware of the actual like calories in calories out equation what goes into that the the what metabolism actually means like the more you're aware of all that stuff the more you know the the better you can actually understand why things are changing right but ultimately if you are just a, a, an average normal person, you're like, I just want to lose a bit of, you know, a bit of weight. You don't have to really dive deep into this stuff. Yeah. You just have to know that this is going to be a moving target and that when you progress, you are probably going to have to change that target so that you can continue progressing at the rate you want to progress, right? And, and what I mean by that is you might start your calorie deficit. You might, again, 3,000 calories. That's your maintenance that you've found. You go, I want to be a little bit more aggressive with this. I'm going to do 500 calorie deficit, right? And again, that works for 8, 10, 12 weeks, whatever. And it's been slowing, but it's been still working, right? And then it gets to a stage where it's like, okay, well, the, the rate of loss, you know, it's not quite what I want. I want, to, I want to keep moving a little bit faster towards my goal. I only have another you're going away in august we'll say right you only have another eight weeks until your holiday and you're like right i just want to lose this last little bit you know i don't like this little bit this roll here at the, the end of my abs i want to get rid of that right so you estimate you're like i have about two three maybe four kilos left to lose right so again you need to go back up and you need to be like right i need to get back to that one percent rate of loss right and um, so how, how do we change our calories like how, like even if you're not that exact situation like how do we know when to change your calories and what does that look like in terms of the, the actual calorie change do we just drop it another 500 is that how we do it like we're just always dropping by 500 or 30 percent or whatever way you started it like how, how do we actually go about this you know what was the crack yeah so for me it would depend on like what the difference in the initial rate and the current rate that you've seen so for example if you were like if we keep nice clean numbers you were losing a kilo per week 
that was it boom that's what you were doing you, you were losing a kilo per week you had reduced your calories by 500 calories and it was all simple all dandy all going smooth but then eventually it nudged its way down and you've been kind of consistently losing half a kilo per week now like that's where you're at now you thought you were still in the 500 calorie deficit then if you look at that difference so you know that you've had a difference in your rate of 50 percent you initially reduced by 500 calories you've had a loss in body weight you've been feeling some of the differences we described then what i would be looking at there is not saying all right let's take another 500 i'd be saying all right what do i need to do to account for the adaptations that have taken place so for using those simple numbers you could reduce calories by another 250 and that would put you somewhere in the ballpark of being in that initial 500 calorie deficit that you actually started in so the difference now is that you're still in a 500 calorie deficit but you're eating less overall absolute calories so your energy intake is lower but the relative your relative energy in intake is maintained so you've still got that 500 calorie deficit so that is what i would be looking to do if it was the case that your energy or your change of body weight had come to an absolute halt like you weren't losing anything which would be rare yeah like, you it, know like you have to keep going even though you know you started off in a 500 calorie deficit you have to keep going and keep going yeah and effectively you've stayed on that calorie level so long that this is now your new maintenance yeah you know which is rare like that was the other extreme that i was saying where people they're like oh i'm in a deficit i'm in a deficit and they're, they're not they've just been in that deficit for so long that this is their new maintenance yeah you know which is rare yeah it is rare and like the only like the only time you'd see something like that pop up pop up would be like if someone like one like you said they kind of just thought that maintenance was a fixed thing and they just stayed there hoping that it was going to work and now they're doubting the kind of calories in calories out thing or they just initially started at a 100 calorie deficit <laughs> which got accounted for pretty soon because obviously you catch up with that or potentially what may have happened was that they actually just uh, changed their activity le activity levels totally. They weren't accounting for needs or anything and now they're way more sedentary or they move jobs or something along those lines. So some things can account for that. But generally what I'd be looking for is to try and account for the difference between the initial starting rate of loss, the current rate of loss, and then make up for it with calories like that. So if you had initially dropped um, by 500, you now estimate it's around a 250 deficit you take away another 250 calories. Um, and generally when you're starting to make those adjustments, at the beginning it can be a very simple process because you know, you've know you got enough calories available where you know you can still eat mostly your normal diet and you know macronutrients are fairly evenly distributed and it's all fine. And at this point, questions always come up about, right, where, where am I getting these calories from? Like what am I actually gonna drop out of my diet? And generally, like we would advise keeping protein constant or in some cases increasing it as the diet pushes on. But we're rarely ever like going to reduce protein as a means mm. of getting rid of calories, like because as we alluded to, that's one of the anabolic stimuli that are going to that's going to ensure we're keeping around our muscle mass. But it's also going to be helpful in terms of managing hunger, managing appetite. And worst case scenario, it just contributes to you know gluconeogenesis it just yeah. contributes to having a bit more carbohydrates in the system you know and like that's the the worst case scenario best case scenario is it preserves all your muscle mass if not increases your muscle mass there you go you know yeah so protein like i'm not taking away someone's protein to try and reduce calories and again if you go back to the last episode we're saying roughly what was we'll say two to three grams yeah. you know again like we were saying like we generally set people at 2.2 to 2.5 somewhere in that range if i knew someone was like dieting i'd kind of go okay 
your weight is probably going to change so this is kind of a little bit hard to fully estimate you know if you started off your 100 kilos you go 2.2 or that's 220 grams of protein and then you end the diet at 60 kilos like you're probably going to over consume protein if you had just left it even at the 2.2 yeah you know so you could adjust it over time and it, it probably would be a more accurate thing to do to use lean body mass as your marker yeah. for that and um, but that's also very very hard to do like where is your lean body mass like what what does that actually what like how do you measure that you yeah. know and um, so i always just set like 2.2 to 2.5 again if i'm in a dieting phase i might start them off at 2.5 and then we'll assess over time but I could see a case where you might reduce protein if they have lost a significant amount of weight yeah. and they're kind of like, okay, well, like we started at 2.5. We're now actually at three grams per, per kg, you know, and um, purely by virtue of you have lost a lot of weight and the protein target stayed the same, you know, and, and I could see a, a, an argument for reducing that there. However, we have to factor in, like you said, the, the hunger, the satiety aspects where like protein is quite satiating. So it keeps you feeling fuller for longer. Um, so we do want to keep that in the diet. We do want to keep that at our meals so that you know, hunger isn't something that's decreasing our adherence mm -hmm. to the actual diet, to the actual calories we want to hit. Yeah, and, and to be honest, like if we were in those situations where someone is, they had a lot of body fat at the start of the diet, I would just be going at the lower end of our protein kind of range anyway because I'd be saying, right, we don't have to calculate it based on lean mass, but this person doesn't need loads of extra protein just to serve fat mass you know so you can go with on the lower end of the range in those cases and then as you said as the person begins to lose weight and they get to the lower end it might match up with a slightly higher relative per kilo of body weight um, target anyway so you're kind of covering all your bases with that taken into account and then like when it comes to carbohydrates and fats like i think we've said it many times in the podcast but generally like what what we what i would start with if especially if someone was at the higher end of our fat recommendations. So we said in the last podcast, somewhere between 0 0.6 and one gram per kilo for overall fat intake is generally where we're gonna recommend most of the time. If someone was already at that one gram or more, then I'm definitely gonna be taking away fat to try and get the deficit moving. Um, but it's not always a case of just picking one either because like if you're trying to create a 500 calorie deficit and the person was only on 60 grams of fat like how are you going to create a 500 calorie deficit you know you're just going to take away all their fat like that's clearly not practical so there there is a combination aspect there so but if someone was at like four or five thousand calories a day and they're eating 150 grams of fat yeah boom cut off 50 grams of fat like you don't need all that anyway so you can take it away but the lower the absolute fat intake someone has the less scope there is to actually continue reducing that not just because we're thinking about you know the need for fat soluble vitamin absorption or support of hormones or whatever uh, but rather just because it's kind of harsh to tell someone just to eat 10 to 20 grams of fat per day because it's just not practical to eat most of the foods that you would actually enjoy and that includes even just trying to eat porridge or bread or <laughs> foods that you would think have very little fat anyway um so yeah so generally i would kind of be thinking i'll try and take as much uh, fat away um to the point where it's practical so when someone gets to the point where they're like oh gary i'm really struggling um i'm as in i'm i'm very limited in my food choices now because fat is a little bit low um and they're getting towards that 0 0.6 gram per kilo um recommendation that we have at the, as the bottom end then i'm starting to think okay yeah let, let's actually take away some carbs as well um boom let's take away some carbs but i think what a lot of people do is they initially just think oh yeah diet time cut carbs boom but we're we're generally not going to do that because 
that's what's going to serve your actual activity and your actual training and potentially the adaptations to that training so yeah, like ideally we're trying to keep carbs as yeah. high as possible for as long as possible yeah yeah like i mean if you're if you're sedentary like you're not training pfft, like definitely not as important not something you need to worry about as much and i'd honestly just be thinking about whatever diet allows you to maintain calories. your satiety yeah hit, hit the calories and that's pretty much it but if you're training like you want to keep carbohydrates as high as possible you've already got an energy deficit um so you want to make sure that you actually have the preferred substrate available to fuel your activities um so keeping carbs as high as possible taking away from fat but noting that you are going to have to take away from carbohydrates at some point especially as you begin to get kind of deeper into the diet so they'd be i think what i would typically be opting for i 100 percent agree and i think that gives people a good understanding of like adjusting the diet over time both from the calorie perspective you know if we we're touching on like yeah. they <clears throat> they have all these metabolic adaptations just you know they maybe move around a little bit less and obviously their body weight is a little bit less they're kind of the two big ones you know so if you aren't standardizing meat we should just say it again you should and the way we use it is that proxy measure of steps again it's it's just a proxy measure it's not perfect but gets the job done gives us something to work with and um, and then you need to again adjust your your intake based on your trend over time so you can stay at the rate that you you want to stay at you know and um, and again that could mean that you need to adjust your diet once over a 20 week period you know maybe after 12 weeks or something or it could mean that because you chose a smaller uh deficit you need to adjust a little bit more often like every four weeks or something you know but again ideally we want to stay at a range that keeps us moving in the the right direction at a rate that is appropriate for what we actually want to achieve you know like again if you have 20 kilos to lose you know that that's a potentially year to two year event you know and um, depending on the individual if you've never dieted properly before and whatever you know and um, so like don't don't just think in terms of a 12 week diet and that kind of stuff you know like this could be a a multi multi-month multi-year thing right and in one of the other podcasts we're going to do uh, maybe in two time we're going to do like transitioning to like a maintenance phase both from the perspective of at the end of a diet because that's often just forgotten you know, people are just like i don't know what to do at the end of the diet like they effectively run the deficit until it becomes maintenance that's yeah. that's what most people you know end up doing or think that that's what they have to do you know um but we can talk about like transitioning to an actual maintenance phase after the at the end of a diet and then at the end of like a gaining phase as well because they're two distinct things but they have very a, a lot of like commonalities yeah. to them you know and um, but i think from that episode uh i think that covers everything that we need to cover apart from the cardio stuff right mm -hmm. which we'll touch on now in a second and um, but i do want to also just touch on the fact that if you are in a deficit of calories like you want to think of it calories or energy right they that's they're, they're a proxy for energy technically because atp is the body's energy that's like that's what you actually want to talk about but it just becomes completely impractical to talk about it like that so calories are a good proxy for energy you know and um, but if you have less calories in your body that means that your recovery your ability to recover from training from even just your your meat your steps your all that kind of stuff they all potentially go down you know you've less recovery capacity because you simply don't have the fuel for it not just to actually do the event you might have enough fuel to do the event you might have enough fuel to get through that two-hour workout but you don't have enough fuel to actually recover from it you know and that's not just from a protein perspective which most people kind of just automatically they, they understand that they're like 
protein builds muscles so they're like yeah but i'm getting enough protein but it's that's not the full story because you still need calories this is still a, a, a an energy intensive process like muscle building is an energy intensive process and this is why it's less likely that you're going to build muscle while you are in a calorie deficit now it's not impossible not not at all you know but it is less likely because you simply aren't paying the workers to build muscle so you know if you're not paying them they're like well yeah you can put all the building blocks here you have enough amino acids that's yeah we could we could do this you're giving the signal you're going yeah do the job you're doing your resistance training but you're not paying them so they're like look if i have some time when i feel like it i might do that you know um so that is something that you want to keep in mind because again this is another thing that you see a lot of people will not change their calories because they're like yeah i'm recomping bro you know I'm, I'm i'm building muscle and i'm losing fat at the same time which is just so rare however because so many people use like anabolic steroids which it effectively that's that's one of the effects that you could just use them for you could eat the exact same amount of calories as you've been maintaining your body weight on and just use anabolic steroids and all of a sudden you would build more muscle and potentially lose more fat then just just from changing the hormonal environment you know and that can kind of you know fuck people up in terms of their ideas of what's possible with the diet you know and that's just a bit of an aside you know so just realize that that if your calories are reduced you are in a deficit that your recovery is lower and potentially that means that your training has to change which is actually another factor which we didn't touch on when we're talking about you know why does you know weight loss slow effectively like it could be from by virtue of the fact that you used to be able to do five sets uh, for each exercise and now because your recovery is less you've had to drop that down to four sets you know which while it's not a huge contribution you know i don't think you should be thinking of workouts in terms of burning calories um, except for the cardio we're going to discuss in a second um like it, it is still a contribution so if you were able to do eight sets per workout and that was your recovery capacity and then you're like all right it's actually gone down to six sets per workout per muscle group you know and that's obviously a little bit less calories burned in that workout you know so that is something that plays into it overall you know and um, and again you might also notice that your your strength goes down as well which means that like you know you're actually doing less work um so again potentially calories are yeah. you know calorie expenditure is a little bit reduced but these are all like minuscule things that just play into it right and um, but just just realize that just keep that in mind when you are looking at your training program again like by the even like we said earlier on uh the experience at the start of a diet versus the experience at the end of a diet they're not necessarily the same thing and again that's the same with the training program the training program at the start of the diet is not necessarily the same training program at the end of a diet right now cardio we we have to touch on this i actually don't think there's a huge discussion on this because we've talked about cardio before and um, but in this context we're talking about cardio from the perspective of weight loss or fat loss and this is something that people use now people think there's some inherent property to cardio that burns through body fat you know and that's not necessarily the case like yes you could say that lower intensity cardio is you know it uses fat as its primary fuel you know whereas the, the higher intensity stuff that uses carbohydrates as fuel you can make that argument and then you could say you know obviously if you're going to liberate these fatty acids you're going to use them for fuel it's going to burn more fat you know and again it's a it's a good thought process at the end of the day it's irrelevant unless calories are controlled for you know but either way it's still it's still a, a valid thought process but i think people get so they, like they think that 
cardio has some inherent fat burning capacity beyond just the fact that it uses if you do lower intensity it uses fatty acids as fuel and they, they think that they must do cardio which is just not the case you could do a complete fat loss cycle absolutely shred it out of your mind and never even do a, a myota of cardiovascular work right not necessarily what we would recommend generally we'd recommend cardio uh, a mix between you know higher intensities and lower intensities again appropriate for your goals who you are we've talked about cardio before um but talk us through that so if cardio doesn't have this inherent fat burning effect is it just calories then like it sort of is like the, it sort of is just a case of like if someone is doing more cardio with the intent of losing body fat is pretty pretty much is just increasing um their overall calorie deficit through energy expenditure now having said that that doesn't mean there aren't like you know second order effects there because like one of the things that does change in someone who is let's say like a 500 calorie deficit is not a 500 calorie deficit what i mean by that is a 500 calorie deficit of someone when someone is very sedentary let's say and a 500 calorie deficit when someone is incredibly active they're they're different things because in one you've got very high levels of energy flux through the system whereas the other person they're not actually burning that much energy in general and up to a certain point like appetite regulation tends to be a little bit better regulated when people are quite active and one of the things that you do see in the research is that people who have those you know upper ends of activity they've got better better actual weight loss maintenance so that they actually maintain their weight loss better um, in the presence of plenty of exercise than those who have lost a similar amount of weight without um, s similar levels of, of exercise so the outcomes do actually vary so in general like i think it is a it's a fairly sound idea to use activity to increase your energy expenditure but i'm not generally thinking of it in terms of like more being better because what i want to do with anyone that's trying to lose body fat or anyone that signs up in general is find an approach that they're likely to maintain for the long run and one of the problems you can get into when you actually start to use cardio purely as a fat loss tool is that you're not actually viewing it as a long-term thing so it can actually make your long-term weight loss outcomes worse as opposed to better because what do people do then they finish their fat loss diet they've been doing four to six days of 30 to 60 minutes of cardio and then suddenly they're like oh i'm done i'm lean and they stop doing the cardio and now suddenly their energy expenditures dropped their appetites are already through the roof and they totally overcompensate and suddenly they're presumed 500 calorie surplus as they go back into their gaining phase is actually more like a 800 to a thousand calorie surplus and they've reversed out and they're you know they've gained kilos of fat weeks later again so and I, this this is actually even compounded by the fact that just like we discussed earlier on like you lose weight through a diet so the length of time that it takes you to burn 500 calories at the start of a diet is not necessarily the same length of time it takes you to burn 500 calories yeah. on a cardio machine at the end of a diet you know and this is one of the reasons why you shouldn't use time as a proxy uh for calorie burning when you're in a diet like don't be like oh i do an hour of cardio that's that's irrelevant you know like you need to standardize it to calories burnt you know and you can do that on the machine itself if you're using a machine or you can use like a fitbit or a watch or whatever you know calorie burning tracker watch but even then it's still just kind of a proxy it's not 100 accurate you know but if you weigh less at the end of a diet you're burning less calories doing the same time of cardio so if you do an hour of cardio to start like say you burn 500 calories in that hour uh, at the start of your diet like that could get down to like 250 by the end of the diet you've lost a lot of weight but you've also increased your efficiency of movement 
as as you diet because you're, you're as you do that exercise for longer you're just more efficient at it you're better at running now yeah you know um so it is very hard and again this is why you see things happen where it's like okay actually you know i've been doing all this stuff i'm doing everything right and all of a sudden it stopped working and it's like yeah like the adaptations have effectively just caught up with you like humans are very adaptable and this works for us in terms of that's why we're top of the food chain you know that's why there's literally fucking billions of us and but it also goes against us if you're trying to lose weight you know if you're trying to lose a bit of body fat it's like all right well i'm going to adapt to whatever you fucking throw at me and i'm going to resist losing body fat because your body doesn't want to lose body fat it wants to keep that it wants it that's that's a just in case that's a starvation that's a reserve you know it doesn't want to be a shredded three percent body fat glutes striated like it, no one like it doesn't want to be, be that your body doesn't you may want to be that but your body's like nah fam I, like no no thank you you know and nope. um, so that has to be taken into account that again like just like we were saying earlier on with your your body weight changing that affects your cardio expenditure and like you said you know you could be at the end of a diet you get up give up your cardio and you know all of a sudden it's like oh you actually increase calories you have no fucking clue how many calories you were burning if you didn't standardize the calories and you were just doing like an hour or whatever you're like what what does that actually mean you know yeah and that's and that's not even to say like that like the machines or anything are accurate because like the point here is not that you're trying to be exact with how many calories you're burning it's more so like a reliability question as opposed to a validity question so it's not the fact that you know your machine could be off by 100 calories in its estimation but that doesn't actually matter because all you're trying to do is try and keep it somewhat consistent and you could do that through other proxies as well like sometimes like for example it's it's all right in in runners or something because like what a runner will do is they'll track maybe their heart rate and they'll track their distance and they'll track their rpe and they'll track the time and you have all these different variables and you can kind of assume that all right the person's going to be burning less energy at a lower body weight um, and maybe we can account for that through additional distance but what a lot of people do is they don't they don't account for any of that so you know another example would be a cyclist um, or if you're using like a stationary bike or an assault bike you could track calories or you could track um, rpm you could track the gear you can track the time but what some people do is they just say doing 30 minutes of cardio and they hop on the treadmill at an incline they hold on and they just walk for 30 minutes and you know at the start of the diet they might feel oh yeah, I have a bit more in me, I'm going to do it a bit more, with a bit more energy, but then towards the end of the diet, it's just a bit more sluggish, they're holding on more, so you have to try and find some ways to actually ensure that you are actually still putting in the effort if you're doing it for the purpose of energy expenditure. Um, so yeah, that would be that, and I, I'm like tying that in with what we said about the the neat, the neat um, or just tracking your steps, like that's, that's a, a, a better starting point from my perspective, is to try and get that habit of increasing your steps as part of your routine at a baseline because it doesn't have the additional logistical challenges of trying to get to the gym all the time of trying to fit more exercise in of having to go for a shower of preparing to get there you know there's more things that kind of come into planning exercise than just doing the exercise itself and if you can just build more steps into your daily life like one of the things i encourage my clients to do is you know get into the, ha the habit of you know listening to if you listen to podcasts or you listen to audiobooks or whatever like don't do it sitting on your bed go out for a walk and do it you know because you're just you're just stacking together these different habits that all impact your life positively and that's something that tends to serve people quite well so i would start off with that standardize your steps try to increase them a bit but again 
more isn't always better there. You know, don't don't say to yourself, right, I'm going to get 20,000 steps consistently because that's hours of walking each day. You know, if you can get to 10,000, like that's a really nice place to be. There's nothing magic about that number, but it tends to be quite practical and it is adding a, a fairly significant amount to your energy expenditure each day. And then if you want to start exercising more in terms of doing actual cardio, aerobic work, like you should be doing that for health anyway. So you don't necessarily need to view it in terms of, all right, I'm just doing this to burn more calories. You could just say, all right, I'm trying to hit my exercise guidelines. I'm going to start with uh, getting an hour a week and I'm, I'm going to see if I can get that much done. You could do that from the start of the diet and you mightn't even need to do it with the view of adding more. Because what tends to happen is if you're doing a good bit of cardio, you're active in your day-to-day -day life, you're also doing weight training, your energy expenditure is going to be high anyway. So it tends to be a little bit easier to lose fat in those contexts because instead of going, let's say, from... 2000 calories down to 1500 and meals are more difficult to put together etc you've increased your energy expenditure by 750 let's say and now you've got more scope for different foods and it's not as stressful and dieting's a little bit easier and that's generally what i find myself i find it much easier to maintain lower body weights when i am far more active um, and that does make more of a difference obviously for for people like if you're if you're 12 if you're if you if you have a maintenance of 1500 calories it's very different to having a maintenance of 4,000 calories. And I keep coming back to that point of there being more to it than just the deficit. So if I'm eating, if I'm really active and my maintenance is up around 4,000 calories, like I no longer need to stress about going out to eat or anything like that. Because even if I'm in a thousand calorie deficit, that's 3,000 calories. I can still go out and have a 1,500 calorie meal and have three more 500 calorie meals throughout the day. And it's just not even a stressor. So dieting becomes easier in those contexts. So there's definitely bonuses to more activity, but don't view it as a, a more is better tool. And that would be my main message as it relates to cardio. Fucking dead right. It does also impact on recovery potentially more yeah, than yeah, steps, yeah. you know, which yeah, again, like 100%. recovery might be uh, an issue that we need to address as the diet fatigue effectively, you know, starts to kick in. But anyway, I think that should hopefully give people a good idea of a few launching points to think about their their kind of fat loss diet and um, as i said there's articles on site to kind of walk you through this a little bit more coherently um, and these are just kind of launching points to kind of get you thinking a little bit more about the whole whole process itself you know and um, but as i as we always say like uh, there is a, a free facebook group that yep. people can get into and ask questions and like we literally reply to people's questions and give them the answers that they need so if you're like i didn't quite understand how to set up my calories from the last episode or i didn't quite understand x y and z that you said on the podcast just ask in the group and we will respond and we will either show you link you to the articles that we have written on site about it or again we'll just talk you through the specifics of your situation right there and then and as we said at the very start if you are looking to you know actually really dial this stuff in get yourself into group coaching or get yourself into one-to-one -one coaching and we can really start dialing this in for you as an individual, you know? Because um, fat loss, it doesn't need to be hard. Um, you can make it hard if you if you want, you know? You can make it less sustainable if you want. Um, but if you do it right, if you set things up correctly, like it can be a very easy process, you know? Which that kind of triggers people sometimes when you say that because most people's experience of dieting is the process is hard. Um, but a lot of people, because they don't understand the intricacies, 
they, they make it harder than it needs to be, you know? And that's why we put out so much free information because like, I don't want people failing. Like, like yeah, failure is part of the process. You're gonna have to fail every so often, but that's part of the learning process. I don't want you to ultimately fail and then never actually get results because you just didn't know what to do. Like, as we said before, like our, our goal is to kind of democratize this health and fitness stuff. And the only way we can do that is to give a lot of free information so that the information isn't, you know, behind a paywall or something then that's what's preventing you from getting results it's like no you literally the information is right there free for you you know we talked to you we can talk you through it in the free group you know if you want to be more precise with it like yes get into one of the paid coaching services that will actually you know really dial it in for you you know they're right there you know one of them is literally 35 euro a month you know like that's literally just over a euro per day you know and uh, the one-to-one -one coaching is a bit more expensive but again it that might be something that you invest in for you know three months you know 12 weeks really get everything nailed down and then you know go out on your own because that's what we generally do with people as well like we'll nail everything down we'll give them a, a process going forward and be like this is what we should do going forward even if we're not working together you know um but yeah i have uh, nothing else to add to that because again people should just join a free facebook group engage in the the community and if they are interested we have services available that can help them get their diet on track get their fat loss going get them results you know do you have anything else to add to that i know 100 percent. just to reinforce your point like like fat like personally i find fat loss pretty easy but the point there is that i didn't before and like you know years ago when i was first kind of embarking on the process of dieting and trying to track, jacked tr yeah trying to track calories and all this sort of stuff it was confusing you know i struggle with the process you know you have you lose a bit of weight and then you're like oh you go off track and you don't know what to change and blah 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 and i used to struggle with it and the, the point there being that you know a lot of people just turn around to that and they adopt these kind of anti-diet mindsets because they're like dieting doesn't work but like it's a process it's but something diet, it's but that's provably false yeah well absolutely false <laughs> yeah it's but it's false. like provably false because like i've seen people like that and then all of a sudden they actually embark on a successful diet and it's yeah. like we're, like are you just going to ignore the fact that you were wrong previously because now you've actually embarked on a successful diet it's like you just said that dieting doesn't work but you've just shown that it does let's let's address this <laughs> yeah and for me it's very disempowering for people because like you're kind of setting up this this expectation that like right if dieting doesn't work for you and your first time you try it it's just not for you that's not a thing you know you just back off just don't do it just accept your body that's it you know and i i don't think that's in any way empowering like but I, i've you, never been good at something the first time i tried it it's literally not how life works like sorry so i mean if you're after attempting a couple of diets and you're like oh no i'm just i can't do it anymore it's not for me like it does it does get better it is a process it's something that you build skills at you get better at you improve your knowledge um and and like it ultimately allows you to make better decisions make more effective decisions and make better progress over time so that's just what i would like to get out there because i think it's very easy to just turn around and say ah dieting didn't work for me um i'm, d I'm done with that but i think there is always or for a lot of people anyway there is still that residual desire that like oh well if i could diet effectively yeah that'd be great like but you know i've just kind of accepted that it's not for me and i don't think that is empowering in any way so yeah i would say that don't be that person and yeah get anyway, better we're at gonna the wrap process. it up here because my father is calling me and i love him dearly so peace Goodbye. out